What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 56 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and joining me, of course, is Fish Sticks. What's up, Ben? Hey, man. It's, a, it's been a big week in the world of Overwatch. A lot of roster moves, a pretty huge tournament that we got a, got a chance to see how the teams in NA stack up. Uh, but yeah, we're here with uh, Hulk to talk a little bit about <laughs> some of the breaking news and some big announcements coming soon, TMs. Just, just sit tight. It's coming in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, of course we got a, obviously a big guest who hasn't been here in roughly a year. It might be actually over a year now. Uh, but Internet Hulk is joining us. Obviously a pro player and formerly of from Hulktastic IDQD and now formerly of Team Envious. What's up, buddy? You're muted. You're muted. Well, while Hulk is oh, sorry, oh, no. already missing up. No, I said, "Hey, man, you, ha- you had to bring up Hotestic, huh?" <laughs> of course, I did. Those were, I remember. Those were the good you days, remember? man. Good old days. You remember the six handles, right? The Hotestic thread. <laughs> That's right. Uh huh. Hulk, what you have to understand here is that everyone wants to capitalize on tragedy. Chan Man is no exception. <laughs> uh, also joining us, of course, is our you know one of our favorite casters, our Overwatch casters, ZP. What's up, man? God bless America. I God love bless America. You had to lobby Just again. random patriotism for no reason. <laughs> that's why I have a flag flying behind me that's definitely not a green screen, which is definitely a green screen, but uh, it's good to be back. So do you have a fan back there blowing this this cloth like the entire time if it's not a green screen? <laughs> I don't really wish to give away trade secrets, but <laughs> oh yes. God. Yes. Okay. A fan yeah. is important to this. I mean, you did need a switch up from the ambient blue. <laughs> That's thing. true. Because oh, you've been rocking that for like that. four years at this point, ZP. <laughs> like, I enjoy living in a pylon, okay? Oh That's just God. how I am. All right. <laughs> you guys. Uh, but like Ben said, we've got a few things to talk about. Not too many things, just given that we, you know, we have Hulk here, and there's a lot to talk about with Hulk. Um, but also Rivalcade happened this past weekend with all the top NA teams participating in it. So we, we got a chance to see you know, when the dust or the smoke cleared, who you know, maybe get a sense of what the rankings are in NA after the tournament. And then uh, a few bit of news that we'll, we'll just touch on. And, of course, any kind of questions, or if we have time, we'll get some Q&A at the end. If you guys want to hang tight in the Twitch chat or email your questions to the overview at, at chainmanv.tv, we'll read those out. But we're going to start off, you know, since we haven't talked to Hulk in a while, and there's it's been a crazy week for you, buddy. Uh, let's start off talking to you. So, big news happened a few days ago with uh, you announcing that you're leaving Envious. And, um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people have... A ton of backgrounds, unless they were hanging out in Flames Channel that one night. Uh, yeah. Outside of that, I think most of the community, you know, really do- doesn't know the story behind it all. So, kind of start out with that. Just how you feeling? You know, how how did this all manifest itself? Um, I would say the day it really happened and was decided was Friday. Um, I was pretty surprised by it, um, but it was also something. Maybe there was like, um, slightly visible for me for a while since Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, Friday, actually, you know, like the day you get, like I actually got cut by the team. So I wasn't actually leaving, but it was mm-hmm. during the time where, you know, like uh, my contract just ended. And um, yeah, so timing was pretty good, I guess. Um, and um, how it all <laughs> went down or why it happened, I guess, mm-hmm. the, is because I think 80% of the reason is just that um, I made the decision back in December, November, actually, um, during the OGN break, um, when Tailspin left us, that I would get Mickey. 
And I was never really like the support player or I don't consider myself as a support player, but you know, I switched to Lucio and um, everyone knows how good and great Harry Hook is. So mm -hmm. Harry, obviously, um, I knew back then that Harry has so much respect in the team also for me that if, even if I would work out, if somehow our DPS or, or situation wouldn't work out, there's a high chance that Harry could move back to Lucio where it would maybe leave me hanging. But, you know, at that point, it was mostly about make the right decision for the team and take a huge risk with Mickey, which paid off. So, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think 80% of the reasoning behind it is just that Harry right now, um, the team feels like he would perform better than me, um, which I also don't openly really want to fight because Harry is like one of the best Lucius he used to be. I'm not sure how, like he had some time where he didn't play Lucio. I mean, he got the four main boot, boot back and selfless. Otherwise, it's really hard to judge Lucius from um, like one tournament. Um, but I do think Harry is a better Lucio than me. You know, even if he didn't play for a while. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I see the situation as um, right now, I feel both parties get a gain out of it. I think if Envy is, you know, it's already like the, the team is already formed. And, and I think like the, the, the fundament is already laid for this team. And now they have like a great organization in, in, in their back. They have a, they picked up a coach. They have a good manager. Um, and you know they're working on their lineup and they played together for so long that even mm -hmm. my departure i don't think impact them too much but it will depend on how they go forward so let me well, ask you that or go ahead ben uh, i was just gonna say to to set the set the scene a little bit uh i know most folks tuning in probably know envious know the squad know some of the history but for those who maybe haven't been following since the very early days Hulk, you've been playing with this core of Coco, Chipsogen, and Harry Hook since the very earliest days of the closed beta. And it's fair to say that you kind of put this whole team together in the first place. So this has been a legacy uh, of, uh, I I'd say, unarguably, the number one most successful team oh. in Overwatch thus far no question. throughout all eras, closed beta, open beta, and full launch. Uh, so this obviously, uh, it's, it's got to be... Uh, a little bit tough, but also it sounds like you're uh, you got you, you got your head in the right place when it comes to you know what's best for the team here. Yeah, the, the thing that I want to ask Hulk is that do you think that the swiftness of this decision was really exacerbated by the timing of Apex, where you really have a lot of time between now and Apex season three in regards to going down there and getting things settled, where maybe there would have been more of a process getting involved here and figuring it out, but they felt that they were leaning more towards making a move and then just decided to do it because of the time pressure of Apex? Um, I'm not really sure 100% what their thought process was, but I can... Yeah, like... I do think that we're going back to another OGN and us performing so poorly last OGN season just gave us extra fire and put more pressure on everyone. So whatever feelings anyone in the team, really me included, had towards each other, you know, like maybe I think this person is not performing as well or this person um, has some personality issues right now. It just got like, you know, <laughs> at first we decided not to go to OGM because, you know, like obviously we just came back from, from a huge upset and underperformance by ourselves. It wasn't so much as Korean teams were so much better. They were, but people need to realize that Envy probably played like less than 50 percent to our mm -hmm. potential and we always has been a team of like you know that can be the best team in the world and we've proven that so 
um, you know, I just get like super amplified by all of those. And I guess like I just like, um, you know, uh, got the end of this, uh, how do you say, like the smaller short straw? End the, um, short end of the stick. The short, yeah. yeah, the short <laughs> end of the stick. Um, but yeah, as you say, I guess like that's why that was probably the worst feeling when when they when they decided to cut me. Just the reason that one year before Overwatch beta was released, the Overwatch announcement came on on BlizzCon, and I already knew because I came from Call of Duty and and, and League of Legends. Those were my favorite games. That um, this is the perfect game for me. I knew one year ahead. I'm gonna form a team. Um, I put so much effort into it. I got pretty much you know like. I, I said it before. I don't want to go into detail because I could talk for ages. But uh, <laughs> the way how I how I met, like I met Harry on public, and I had like I play. I started playing with like many players that were known and and even professional in other games. But I just wanted the perfect squad. So I even like I took my time. People were saying, "When do you when do you actually create this team?" Because we we're playing with like eight or nine or ten people. We tested. I think we ended up testing fifteen people in Better Phase One, and I still didn't want to make a decision. So we started actually making the team in better phase two. And actually when, when we decided on six people, we instantly won everything pretty much, right? Um, so I do feel like every decision from beta on onwards to maybe Mickey was pretty much mine alone in a way. Um, mm -hmm. Even by being an envious, obviously Mike, our owner, he gave me a lot of trust and he, I mean, a lot of support. He like envious has always treated us great. So I'm really thankful that I feel like if it could, it could have been another organization where you join as a team and you don't have a coach and you're the team captain and so far you've made great decisions, right? Um, I heard of I've heard of specific organizations that take complete power and control over the roster, or you know, like they have a maybe a manager who's not even like an Overwatch manager, but he takes control. He could like bench a player from your team and stuff. So NVS always treated us great. Like they literally let us be as a team and decide things as a team because they knew we we knew what we were doing and that's why it worked out. So good for us, I think. So, um, yeah. So that, that that's pretty much the reason why it feels so bad. Because I feel like, even if I've not always shown it, and I sh I'm sure I did my mistakes, that, um, like being the person that not only plays eight hours of scrims or six hours afterwards, like most of his thoughts are like about uh, about the team, because it felt like I would be the person in the team that makes the best decision whenever we lose a player. What do we like? Or even in the beginning, like which organization do we join? Everything, pretty much everything around the team outside of the game. Um, yeah. No question, so. you're the leader. I mean, you're the captain of the team. I mean, I, everybody in the community viewed you as the leader and captain of Envious. So that kind of brings a question that I wanted to throw at you. Given that we, you know, recently we had Zave too. You know, basically get cut from Misfits, and. Both of you guys, I think, were a bit surprised when it happened. I mean, maybe not completely surprised, but definitely there wasn't this this meeting or this kind of decision made mutually, and then you know you guys just leave, you know, or or you know, again, not not really blindsided. I wanted to get a sense for, given that you made those decisions in the past, like how are how is this decision made? Like on MVS, is it more of a head coaching thing, or is it a democracy amongst the players still? And is that happening with you in the room? It so. Um, there were for sure many talks between players privately. Uh, I'm not sure how much the coach was involved. Um, I mean, I do go by trust even now be, uh, that he didn't have a lot of impact, but you never know. Um, it's really hard to find, like, you know, even like, even after they cut me and everything I did for the team, kind of, 
I still don't want to find bad things in people. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter at the end because it was like a demo. It was like a dem de democracy. I have no idea how much you know, like uh, Kyle played a role in it. Um, as far as I don't, I know not much. But you know, you never know, right? So what, like, so what uh, you're saying then is that Kai Kai was not on the grassy knoll, to your knowledge. <laughs> to my, to what? No, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just ignore that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. The no, reason, I mean, yeah, the reason I asked that is because you know on. I would say head coaches of sports teams and maybe some e yeah. other esports teams, you know, that's their call as to who gets cut. And, you know, yeah. we kind of see that with Bishop even in C9, right? But what so, do you do? Like, I mean, I had this talk with, uh, you know, our CEO pretty much like even, you know, he always treated me and the team great. Um, so what options does he or even the head coach really have if like, let's say the team decides as a, you know, democracy, they rather want to play with another player or go forward or put Harry on Lucio and find another player, right? So like, if that's the idea, um, you know, it's like, no guys, you're gonna keep Hulk and then five people feel miserable or something. Like, uh, you know, it's I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Obviously I'm yeah. still in good terms with most players because, you know, it's fine. Like we're still, most of us are still friends. Um, how things went down weren't, wasn't mm -hmm. really great, but it's, um, yeah. It's like, uh, however, like a head coach. So that's why, why I don't know in detail. You know, I've heard that he didn't really play a role in it. It's just like a team thing, and I'm sure the team decided in a way. How much he really played the role, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, it doesn't matter. It, you know. Yeah, it was. Down. It was more a question of just what the the culture still is like. You know, in terms of making yeah. team decisions, and even though we're seeing head coaches starting to get hired, uh, you know, we still have a lot of situations, even with top teams and in huge brands like Envy, where, you know, the players are still the ones that are controlling, you know, a lot of the moves. So that's, that's specifically how, how people probably would have, I mean, four days ago, I would have still seen this team as a family. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> tragedy happened though, but, um, apart from that, I do think even a head coach in eSport, like ReSports should be different. Um, there's also a lot more money involved right now, but um, I don't think a head coach should come in and let's say, let's say a head coach comes to Envy, but the whole team is like great with each other. No way they would ever want to play without me. Mm -hmm. And the head coach would just like try to remove me. That would make the team so much worse. Even if he would pick up yeah. a twice as good player, it's just like the team is like, well, you know, my friend is gone or whatever, right? Like, mm -hmm. so I don't think it's as easy as that in esports right now. Um, head coaches need to make decisions and maybe drastic choices or, or changes but um it's also how players how much you know how comfortable are players with each other so okay. well, well getting into the psychology of this a little bit here how much do you think of this might have been borne out just from the pressure i know that a lot of times you talk with high level players and they talk about the pressure they feel in tournaments and all the rest where people are wondering where their spot will be in things like overwatch league going forward and how much do you think that even as close as you were to other members on Envy, where just the incredible pressure of all the things coming up kind of causes people to make decisions that maybe they didn't see themselves making just a month or two before. So, like I said, specifically with me, I can tell you that there were personality issues between me and other people in the team, but not huge ones. Like, really, if you're five months out of six months, you live in a hotel in Korea, and you have a lot of pressure, and then one of those seasons you underperform, even the first season, first season was crazy like doing scrims we it's just it's it's so much pressure and everyone you know like or smaller fights and stuff but it's all it's all you know good and stuff and when you win you know obviously you put the the your your um 
everything aside, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. after season two, everything just got so amplified. But when it comes down to, I mean, yeah, the pressure. I don't think the team, if if it would be like a down season where we, we wouldn't attend OGN and stuff, and uh, I don't think the team needed to replace me. I don't think, you know, in terms of like success. Um, but another reason I feel like why is just like a style of play as a support. I do feel um, that they want a Lucia who is constantly protecting chips against dive, and I wasn't doing that so much. Um, I knew I should have done it, but there were some issues that are not all just on me, but most of it probably is because it's just the style of my play. Um, so in general, I just feel, you know, um, if he wouldn't have gone to Korea, I feel like um, that probably wouldn't have happened. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's just, it's so amplified. Everything is so amplified because there's a lot of pressure and um, me as well as the team, we have so much pride in terms of uh, we're competitive. I mean, it's it's realistic, right? Like imagine Envy would stay in America right now with or without me. It's just like there are more tournaments. Uh, I feel like, uh, organizations like Rogue, Selfless, and all the other teams, they got so much uh, hype around them. And I feel like Envia's being five months in Korea kind of missed out on this huge N NA fan base. It's just way bigger than Korea, right? And tournament-wise, I feel like you can maybe make more money during that time staying in America if um, I'm not entirely oh, that's sure. that's interesting. So, like, I feel like personality gain, but everyone is, was or is competitive as much that we just go to Korea because we know if if we can use that time correctly, you will gain the best practice out of it. Mm -hmm. And you can prepare yourself for the Overwatch League. And obviously for most of us, it was like revenge going to OGM, which... Yeah, so so obviously in, in Apex season two, you didn't perform as well as you were hoping, expecting to perform, especially after you know taking the whole season prior to that. Uh, how much of this do you think is is due to the fact like so you underperformed and it everyone was the pundits myself included we're all kind of analyzing your play and thinking about like what what does this team necessarily need in terms of a shift in terms of maybe roster move or whatever to 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 get uh to where we expect them to be and a lot of people were saying it's kind of because you guys perhaps lacked a projectile player you didn't have someone who fit into the genji Pharaoh role quite as naturally as other teams. Obviously, this didn't impact you directly uh, as as you were playing Lucio uh, primarily at the time uh, and, and had shifted for Harry Hook to get into this role. Uh, I mean, is this is this interpretation that myself and a lot of other people had? Do you think that this is correct? That you know this is one of the reasons why Envious looked to make a roster shift is so that you could kind of shuffle in order to try and get a projectile player. Okay, so, um, so yes and no. So here's the thing. It's just one small thing. I can tell you straight up, and I want to be clear about this to everyone. I said it a hundred times, but you know, you go on Reddit, you go anywhere, and people say like, "Oh, if they had a good projector player, or if Harry would had, would have a bigger hero pool, they could have won or something." No, um, we had, I would say, three maybe different people we had three main issues those are issues that will never be talked about and you know this is just how you know it's just like those were probably had the biggest impact on us and uh how we were as pers persons like motivation how we treated training how we approached it um 
how much we actually put in time. I feel like we haven't put in as much time as other teams. And therefore, like, I don't think you ever heard me saying OGM season two, we did not deserve our placing. We did deserve our placing. And we could be lucky that we actually, uh, you know, haven't had a group like Rogue has this time, you know. Um, so did we deserve our shitty placement? And did we underperform? Yes, we did. But, you know, every team fails and it's extremely hard to stay on top. And um, a lot of things came just together. Overall, I think every one of us cares to be number one. Uh, did we miss a project here, player? Yes. Was it the reason? Do I oh, do I think we could have taken OGN Season 2 without one? Absolutely. I think this team doing OGN Season 2, um, because I have all the insights, right? Like, I, I played with those guys. I think every one of us could have performed so much better than we did. And if you watch those games closely, uh, so here's how I think of Envy. Sure, I'm a player. Maybe other teams see people like Time when they watch Friday's game, they see like, oh my God, Time was so fucking talented, right? Like right. he goes crazy. He he is talented. Uh, and Paul, I feel like the technical term is he aim. has good aim. He's got Please good aim. get That's it correct. Right. Got it. Okay, he has good aim. <laughs> but since his aim is so good, good, Friday his brain didn't like uh hold him back, you know? So um <laughs> No, I would. <laughs> no, um, I don't think many players would see this team being carried on Taimu's back or Harry Hook's back or whatever. I feel like whoever watched this team for a long time since better would have seen us as a team who um, came up with creative strategy, mm -hmm, sure. played it extremely well as a team, played was able to resist meta, even though we were pretty shit in the Beyblade meta, but we approached the Beyblade meta the same way we approach OGN season two, which is we didn't put enough effort and emphasis on strategy and actually coming up with something and, you know, spend time on a private server and actually, you know, like I said, outside of our scrims, we just play. I just went through scrims. the motions, so, uh, right? Just yeah. kind of put time. So not, yeah. One thing that we touched on a little bit the other night when we were talking uh, on discord, but how much did fatigue play a role, do you think, in just the evolution of Envy, perhaps the less than great results in Season 2, where if you stop and think about it, Envy was on a travel bender for a very long time, right? Where you you go back, you had Gamescom last year, then you had Overwatch Open, then you went directly to Apex Season 1, and you participated in Apex Season 2. This was a really long time on the road, and actually a long time away from the things that makes Envy a really good organization in regards to the support they offer to their players, where... On one hand, you have Envy giving you the support in North Carolina where you have your player apartments, a place to practice at, plenty of room, plenty of separation. But then you go into a case where you're on the road constantly and you go to Korea and you're in small hotels and a smaller playing room. Also, just in a country where you might not be as comfortable with the language or all the rest. And you're in this extended travel mode for a really long period of time. How much does that sort of wear on the team and maybe exaggerate conflicts that might already exist? So here's here's what I can tell you, on which I which I really hate, and it, and it applies to myself too. I've I've experienced it, but I actually paid close attention to games like League of Legends and their pro scene and stuff. So here's what usually happens: IDDQD happens. It's a team. We all play from home. Most of us don't have a job at that time. Play full time. We wake up. Things that I did, you know, like. I woke up and every two or three days I went to gym. Other than that, I woke up, I started my computer, I played Overwatch, I grinded, I ate fast food, so I didn't even spend time cooking. I just like, at and at, at one point I went to sleep and I was every day, every, every day grinding. So then this is pro gamer, right? Pro gamer, or this is like before he becomes pro gamer. Then 
this guy becomes a pro gamer. This guy has amazing opportunities, joins an amazing organization, suddenly lives in an amazing apartment, amazing, you know, like has all those like events. So he can go to different parties. He can meet new people. He can go to like whatever it is. Like you just live this new pl new lifestyle. And it happens to so many players that those players, and it applies to myself too, um, your life just changes in a way. And I just somehow, some part of me just wishes to go back to a point where I just like work every day like play every day and just like from morning to evening now you would say so like everything you just mentioned um i feel like it's a huge excuse i don't i don't want to accept it i mean i do think i'm happier now than i was before but i feel like it's just it's just a lame excuse everyone plus if things people don't know and don't pay pay close attention to if you think back about all tweets and events that envy went through every event we went through after every event or even before events, some teams had boot camps and Envy offered us, like I said, Envy always treated us really well. But, which also includes the stuff I'm about to say, we had, Envy was the first organization to get us visas, right? Uh, who I think Envy had, we were the first team to ever move <clears throat> into a gaming house. <clears throat> but because of our visa situation, it just takes a process of time. I think it took us three or four different events that after those events, um, either we couldn't go to a bootcamp before this event because people traveled to their home countries. So all this time after events or before events, we took like one or two weeks off where people traveled to their home countries, where other teams maybe took three days off and actually practiced after. We couldn't because we were coming from four or five different countries for the visa, which means we had one or two weeks off after every event. We had so much time off, plus we eventually went to only six days of practice and eventually only six hours of practice. And then um, there was always something. I feel like we were the team up till end of last year maybe that practices the hardest and most or middle before OGN season one maybe and during OGN season one in the end we practiced and went to Kongdu gaming house and stuff. But after that and also due to the visa, which which is no one's fault really. It's just you know how it ended. So I feel not having time off like it's just an excuse and we actually had like we as a team we shouldn't really be fatigued the only fatigue we really had was like five months out of six months being in a hotel room and being close together yeah. that obviously put like a lot of stress and like i said it amplifies all of, of, our, of our problems but um i mean yeah i i do think people that move up the ladder get better contracts have a great organization have great support um have 90%, 95% across every genre pretty much tend to have this better lifestyle and also use it. They, they, they will be happier and it can affect them positively, but they put less time into the game. So huh. wow, being, really fatigued, yeah. being fatigued or something, I say it's like a really bad excuse. Um, I, I feel I have not worked hard enough in different times throughout last year and also maybe this year. And I will just say straight up that's my mistake there were times where i wasn't as motivational there were times where i was maybe angry in scrims because we didn't practice in a certain way that i would have wanted to and all of those things i just accept as my mistakes rather than you know excusing myself as being fatigued or something i mean that's part of the job and if you can't handle it then you know i remember those times in IDDQD. i woke up and i went to sleep and 14 16 hours between i all my mind was about was overwatch and i will keep that in my mind and hope i can go back to that so. I'd have to say you're one of the, I mean, there, there are definitely some people out there that are very similar to you, but I'd have to say that's a minority. You know, I don't think a lot of people can, you know, just accept that, you know, and just kind of just 
just kind of barrel through, you know, that, that type of, I mean, it, it, there is mental fatigue. If it's, mental fatigue is actually in a real thing. So, but to be able to barrel through that and still, you know, get, um, efficient practice in there, I think is where, you know, you probably are different than most players. So, you know, being part of a team and I'm assuming that not everybody on NBS was like, had that kind of mentality. Um, how hard is it like just to be on a team? Like when, whenever you're like that and how hard is it on your teammates, you know, to have somebody like you on their team too? Um, what exactly do you mean? Like somebody like me? Uh, well, I mean, just like, uh, you know, like, like, you know, you're saying like, you don't, you think fatigue is an, an, an excuse, you know, <laughs> and that you're able to still practice and train. I, well, I was mentally fatigued, but it also comes from the way I just don't take it as an excuse. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, um, whatever, in whatever way I got affected by being in Korea or, you know, like even, I mean, truth be told, like I, while it was still a surprise being cut, um, if you're, if you're smart and you know your team, you watch on someone's face, you know what they're thinking in a way, right? Um, and it was maybe like one or two months coming and Korea put a lot of problems and stress on, on us. And um, so there were definitely days when, when, when you don't do well in scrims as a pro player and you have the slightest of fear that you could get cut from your team and actually put so much stress on you because suddenly you're dropping the beat or you missing a boop or something, right? It's not just like, because I'm usually what I do in scrims is, oh fuck, I did this mistake. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't talk about it, but I, I acknowledge my mistakes, even though people would say like, I maybe not like take right. the best critique, but I acknowledge my own mistakes. And usually I just like right off the bat say them. So why you do that, you also think it should be like, well, this is a team, this is my family. You should never think about being cat. But when you suddenly, you know, it's still competitive. Maybe Coco or someone would blame me in the team, like, hey, you fucked up. Or I would I would blame someone else, you fuck up. But that's it. But if you if you think there's a, even the slightest chance that you could get benched, then I I, I spoke to so many other pro players, even, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I'm not, not going to name names, but they ate the same thing. It actually fucks up your sleep. Like there were times in the last one or two months and a fucked up sleep schedule where you only get like four to six hours sleep at night and you lie in bed for like two hours thinking about everything, overthinking. And I know other pro players in the overseen who had the same thing. Um, and when, when it's something like that, it actually, then the next day you have scrims, right? And you slept like six hours and you just like, it just becomes this, 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 this circle, never ending circle and stuff. So it doesn't really help, oh. but it comes from a way where the teammates maybe not communicate clearly with you. So mm -hmm. it, the team environment in, in general just become, became so much worse. I feel like in, in ways. So it's just, that's maybe where you need like a healthy structure with like a healthy player, player coach or player management. You need a good manager, a good coach and stuff that kind of like stops it before it even, even starts in a way. Well, here's the problem there, Hulk, and what you bring up is that there is this idea of labeling theory and just in a team culture, things can snowball very quickly, right? Where maybe a player is underperforming, but once you get to the area where a player feels like the other players are sort of blaming him, even if they're not being upfront, but if people have good gut feel, right? Where they feel, hmm, yeah. something's not right here. Maybe this player is talking to the other player behind my back. Right. That suddenly yeah. amplifies the stress on you in game yeah. where you go, do I drop a sound barrier here? I feel like maybe it's not the best time to drop it but if i don't drop it in this case someone else is going to judge me and say why didn't you drop it there so then you're second guessing yourself going even is worse this is the right way to play this fight <laughs> or in fact should i be playing the way that someone else thinks i should play the fight to avoid the bad perception and sabotage, it, things can dude. definitely still the worst thing is yeah. i can tell you i can tell you that 
the best way to play is being confident. Um, and I had many situations where I knew doing a specific thing was right. Let's say it's something really weird. Maybe even it's a good example because I feel like most people would still disagree on that fact. But I feel like I think we had a situation where chips would silently agree with me. But I, I okay. So I think it was even a few weeks back. I can write first point defense. You know, I played a lot of Symmetra and it works for us. It works really great. So we would lose the point, um, play a specific lineup on the second stage, and I would have my my ultimate, I can place it, running back from the first point, escaping death. And I would say to the team, I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off. I'm gonna switch my character to Lucio, but I know placing placing the turret staying symmetrical with my ultimate would be better. I had someone replying that's good that you're doing it because I knew I had one or two people always voicing their opinion, even though I feel like they're 100% fucking wrong, but they would go on tilt mode and they would, they would, they would not let me play my role and give me that trust. And then even like after I jump off, I had chips saying, for example, I feel like you should have done it. Like, like, um, so he, he kind of supported me there. Like he was just like giving his opinion, which solidifies or in a way like, um, underlines that, like it doesn't even matter if I'm right or not. I feel like I'm right, and someone should put me the trust in. But I made the decision to avoid conflict and go against my own beliefs, mm. jumping off. And when you when you start off playing like this, it's just really bad. And this could have been applied to like, do I drop my sound barrier here? Do I go offensive? Because like whenever I go offensive and chips would die, it would be something like, oh my god, Hulk, you really need to support chips. Like, well, you know, it's it's. Um, like I said, I don't argue Harry Harry might be might very well be a better Lucia than me, or we can just straight up say Harry is a better Lucia. Maybe Harry protects chips more than me. But I don't think I still think I was playing good. And if you watch any official matches during OGN season two, I do think I did not underperform. I did okay and I had one specific match where I feel like I did really well. But you know, it is what it is. It's just like at that point it's just it's not even a pleasure to play really anymore if you it's Yeah, it's the yeah, it's definitely the team so, environment. Well, one quick follow-up, and just because I think it's a good transition to future things here, but Hulk, let me just ask you this, is that the entire cycle that you just mentioned, do you think that that's something that a good head coach that has been with the team for a long time can get in between and interrupt to keep the team chemistry on an even keel? And with you now looking towards potentially head coaching on your own, is that something where you're really going to take the experience that you've had in Envy and just really remember that as you try to guide another team? I feel like it has to be, yeah, I feel like persons around the team, it could be a manager, like it could be a player coach, it could be anywhere. But yeah, a head coach definitely, um, I feel like can have a positive impact and like intervene early enough in, in, in such situations. But um, because it all comes from this. So Kyle obviously was new to coaching. He came to Korea. Korea was really a mess for for, for more reasons than need to be brought up. Um, and so to his defense, uh, I mean, he tried. He did. He did an okay to good job. Um, but then, I feel like part of being a head coach or being just like staff in general around Overwatch would be um, talking with individuals about their feelings. And I think if you pay play close attention, pay close attention to what they're saying or what they're feeling. Um, you could see those things where someone could tell you in that fact, like, hey, I don't really feel confident. I know what I should do, but I cannot do it because I would get into conflict with someone who just disagrees. Whatever is right. I feel like we need to find a middle ground where people trust each other and stuff. And then, you know, 
this this person who's neutral to the team, he could go to the other person, and you could like it's just about um, resolving conflict and stuff. And yeah, I totally think um, whoever it is in the staff um, should be. I think like it, one of the jobs from a head coach is to put together a staff that actually works in that way and works well together. So it doesn't have to be the head coach, but the head work coach I think is responsible to put in together a healthy staff environment because I feel like Overwatch is going to become really professional and you need more staff than just a head coach. You probably need a strategic or a coach or an analyst or even both. You need like um, a manager that preferably also functions as like a player player uh, uh, coach in a way where he would like do those talks with those players. But it really, I also don't, think titles matter too much right now you can be an analyst but you could do or you can be a head coach or manager but you have so much insight into the game that you can help with strategy and if you're a head coach you can still bring the team water right like it doesn't really matter right now but uh, it's definitely staff's job and they can intervene in all those scenarios and um yeah now, that sounds like one of the meta storylines here and not just from this situation yeah. but the misfits situation and many many others mm -hmm. is simply the fact that this is a team game and managing the players themselves it can be as important as, you know, it, it's probably equally important <laughs> totally. to get a player coach as it is to get an analyst who actually looks at the gameplay itself. Uh, and this definitely seems to be one of the storylines that's manifested itself here. Uh, but, you know, talking about coaches... Let's, maybe it's yeah, uh, let's move on. Let's, let's get to the, the happier side of yeah, things. Uh, this, yeah. This has been we so an announcement, folks. It's coming. Yeah, we, we actually have a big announcement, that, or at least Internet Hulk has a big announcement, which I'll let <laughs> you take it, it, man. Yeah, like... Where the drum rolls. Where the drum... I'll, I, yeah, yeah, I didn't Jack have it ready, dude. I, I think the pog champs will... Here we go. Will... Here we go. I'll do my uh, drum roll here. Okay. That's surprising. I feel like I gotta... I gotta show something as well. Okay, here we go. Um... I decided that, or I got the amazing opportunity to go, or wait, let me phrase it better. Da -ding. Um, Internet hike will be going rogue. So going I got rogue. the amazing opportunity oh. to oh. go to Korea with uh, rogue and, you know, help them out to win OGN season three. So that's what I'd be looking at. There we go. <laughs> that's what and, I was supposed uh, to be showing here. Yeah. Wow. So Rogue, everybody was thinking you're with Laser Kitten. So was that actually a like true, or or did you <laughs> decide to leave Laser Kittens after like a, a day or so um, with them? So right now, after my contract expired, I decided my one of my first decisions was definitely waiting for the right opportunity. So before I really want to sign a contract, I will take my time, probably around one month or. Um, you know, like take the right offer. However, um, being surprised by um, this decision by Envy to cut me, so like two or three weeks before we would go to Korea, um, was just surprising and I really want to go to Korea. Mainly, you know, obviously if I would be playing Envyas, mainly to win OGN. Now that I've been work, I've, I will be working with Rogue, mainly to win OGN. However, um, after we dropped out of OGN season two, um, we took like one or two weeks time, every player where we just like relaxed, we didn't like scrim. Um, some, you know, like we all played some Overwatch, but mainly other games or relaxed. And during those two weeks, I actually went to every OGN game and I have great relationships with most, most Korean coaches. And I already knew for, since the beginning of Overwatch that eventually after my career as a player, I want to move to a, to a coach mm -hmm. and um, more so head coach position. Um, 
knowing that I feel like following other esports scenes, it was always, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I met people like Monty and stuff who really helped me out and I got so many great advice from Monty and I feel, um, I, I went to all the OGN games where I, um, formed great relationships with, for example, LW Jitset and Agape, the head coach and the strategic coach. Um, I formed great relationships with Metagaming and their coaching staff uh, or their coach, Roy Lord, and their, their owner, um, where they both gave me the amazing opportunity to go to either LW Gaming House and Metagaming. And I only could take the Metagaming offer because LW had another game on Tuesday, and I think I left Wednesday with a flight. Um, and I went to Metagaming's uh, gaming house and I had a six hour straight talk with their coach. And it was just like amazing. I learned a lot. And that's one of the main reasons why I want to go back to Korea. I feel like the coaching in Western Overwatch so far is so new and everyone is learning. And I feel like, you know, I think some people might go into coaching, think it's just like an easy way to get a payroll. For me, it's like, it's the same way as a player. You constantly need to be learning. And even though you're the coach, you're teaching people or you're helping a team, you still need to be learning. And you like, I want to be the best that I can possibly be. And I don't think of my, I, I literally go through this through my life. So I could see a person, you know, like I don't look down on anyone. He could be working at McDonald's or construction and I can learn from any person. And so going to Korea, to a place where the infrastructure is so great and the coaching staff is actually, you know, like they give more thought to it. Um, I just, I just feel like I have so much to learn and gain from that. And so when this opportunity um, was kind of taken from me, even though I mainly would have played, I still would have taken a free day or doing an OGN game. You know, I would have time to reach out to those people and, and still learn. Um, when this opportunity was taken, I have great relationships with Alikus who, you know, I had a small talk with him and he was actually making me a super generous offer. Um, and, the, you know, Laser Kittens is a team that has a huge potential as well. So we, we talked about it and everyone knew though that I was going as a trial. So we came up with the idea to, he gave me the offer, they're going there for a one month bootcamp and he gave me the offer to immediately put me as a head coach and help out the team. And it was awesome. Um, at that point, I haven't really, I have great relationships with Rogue, with the team and the um, the uh, owners. Um, the only thing is I haven't given it too much thought actually at that point that because they're a purely French team, right? Um, that that would be possible. Um, but then, you know, like things evolved and I started talking and they approached me and, you know, like, but it's all, um, you know, the... But Laser Kittens now, um, I talked with Alec, mm -hmm. who's a great bunch, and okay. he's a great dude. And uh, yeah, it just, it's just the, the main difference between us, um, between them is just I'm too competitive and it's about revenge. Rogue is going to be in OGN, <laughs> and I hope they play Envy. I hope both make it out of groups. Oh, wow. And yes. I hope it's it's about more than that. I want to win OGN, I like, and I just want to put everything I have, work hard, and help them out to win OGN so um well win, win so OGN as a player and then win OGN as a coach right yeah. so look, I have two <laughs> things here one serious one not so serious but first is how did Rogue approach you for this because this is obviously very time sensitive so it feels like they had to offer you something pretty strong pretty quickly going by the way uh, Hulk would you like to be the coach of our organization and the plane leaves to Korea in five hours <laughs> type of situation so Seriously. that's number one and just how quickly this came out and number yeah. two is that Skipjack ran into trouble when it was found out that he was not actually Skip Jacques. How do you plan to maintain your new French identity? So, uh, first off, I think one of the things I'm really or the most thankful for during my time as a programmer is just like all those 
persons I met through at eSport. I feel like this community has been great so far. And it's just like you meet so many amazing persons. Uh, and one of those persons or some of those persons actually work for Rogue or work with Rogue. And, you know, like when this thing happened with Envy, I had a call with uh, someone from Rogue and they just like generally cared and, you know, like just talk with me as a as a friend. Right. So when they heard it, apparently what happened after is that um, the team uh, itself from Rogue, even though they're full French, uh, so far they have struggled because they have been uh, champion. They won championships in different games. And when you win championships in many games and all, actually they're right now, I think arguably the best Western team, um, you know, even though Envy is pretty close and Envy is going through it like a lineups change, I would still say Rogue right now is arguably the best Western team. Mm -hmm. So when you have players like that, um, it generally comes with like some sort of arrogance or pride. Um, you don't like, I, I know it myself because I know I want to be a coach. I don't really accept any coach. And I gave Kaike probably a lot of shit too. It's just like, I expect so much from something when you know I would do this, you expect at least that in return, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I was surprised by them. I, I guess that's why I don't, I mean, they're working with Lanfos, who's, who's their coach. But apart from that, um, it was really surprising to me to hear that they give me so much respect after hearing that, that they actually really, the team was really up for bringing me in. And I already had great relationships with the organization side. And um, I mean, Unko was actually one of the first players, like when I started Better Phase 1, I played with Unko every day do in, in, in Europe and uh, AKM and Windsor, great guys too. So with those three, I'm, I'm probably, uh, mm -hmm. I pretty much have great relationships. I know Nico, I know Nox, I know, uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, soon. You're going to you're gonna have to be learning like, French soon then, or? <laughs> that's the next thing. Um, no, um, I, they, they even said that, which, which, which is just like, it just shows how much respect they give me. And it's, it mm -hmm. just feels amazing that they believe so much in me because they just said like, you know, we, we really want to work with you. We really want you to come and help us out. And, um, they, they're, they're saying they're willing to, you know, like, it's no problem. Like we will talk English to you and we will listen and stuff. And also they have, like I said, Lanfo is their uh, manager coach. Um, he speaks French. So mm -hmm. um, while they're playing, he can help me with the communication. So the next thing obviously to talk about is how, how much can I really coach? I would say, um, see, taking Mickey in, um, you know, deciding on Mickey, moving me to Lucia I always took risk and they always kind of paid off and I'm not afraid of risk. This can be a huge risk because me moving to any team right now as a head coach who speaks probably American is probably maybe a bit worse than Rogue or not as successful as Rogue, I would say. Coach, like going in with Rogue to OGN with the hardest group they have, they can possibly have like Pantera and, and Lunatic High, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a chance they won't go out of groups, which I don't believe in, you know, like, but like them being full French, like I said, all those all those things um, are definitely huge risk. I could have probably go to or work with a team that's not as strong and you know have like more impact and that all speaks English. But so I don't really think of 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 I'm not afraid of taking this risk. I feel like it's 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 going to be very very hard, and I need to work very hard to already to try and improve a team that's already that good right mm -hmm. and then also i cannot it will be it will be so hard to work on a communication part because i constantly would be working with with landfires to help me what did they really say and stuff but um 
yeah, like I said, and I think Rogue is also very professional and mature in a way. So it's not like you come in and hey guys, why don't you only play four hours? Uh, why why do you only play four hours today? Why are you screaming at each other and stuff? I feel like they're already very professional and stuff. So um, I really need to go in there and figure out where I can help them. Um, but again, um, oh, I, I probably should talk about what my what my situation is to or in this. So I'll be going to Korea with Rogue as a free agent still. Um, they're going to be treating me really well, and this is going to be as like an analyst slash strategy coach. Like the wording doesn't really matter. I know I will sign a contract somewhere as a head coach. That's just like what I want to do. However, with Rogue. The only thing people should care about and the only thing I care about is I go with them to Korea. For me, it's a huge opportunity to help them out and I want them to win OGM. So that's my only job. Okay. Whatever you call it. You could call me Waterboy. I don't care. It's like <laughs> I go there to water help, boy. right? Okay, I will do more than... I will, do Waterboys get trophy? I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure how you coach this team. Uh, you got, Guys, you didn't run the same dive comp as usual. You should probably run that again. Yeah. <laughs> well, the bigger question, Hulk, is that is it going to be offsetting to you where you're talking to them and they clearly disagree and then they just start talking in a language that you don't understand? <laughs> oh, like, no. Is that going to be off-putting? Oh, where man. suddenly I mean, it's just like, wait, I don't know what they're saying. As soon as as soon as I hear Damn, someone saying "le put" or something, they're gonna get this. Against <laughs> they're gonna get slapped with this. Okay, Slapped so you, you even, wow, you have a baguette. <laughs> <laughs> he has a baguette. Oh he has God. a baguette. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Hulk. The thing is, you're as coach of it's Rogue. Be... Hulk, Hulk. As coach of Rogue, your main goal is to make other teams take the baguette, <laughs> not treating the baguette to yeah. your own team. You you really need to yeah. get your story straight here and how you handle this. We have to see if if they behave, they won't get the baguette. But I definitely, uh, we definitely give the baguette to Envy. So. Oh, make wow. sure to. I love how just like upfront you are with about revenge here. Yeah, that's I think that's going to be made our pay-per-view TV, man. Whenever that happens, yeah. uh, but you got to get out of the groups first, man. I mean, it already happened, but yeah. I will. You know, like there's nothing. I I've been involved in it. I could just like sit there, watch and smile, but you know, um, other than that, <laughs> and it's also you know, to be fair, Envy, Envy, um, they have a real shot at at like both teams going rogue and envy are both great teams so they have real shot at winning ogm i think if they're it really comes down to how they're taking uh korea obviously rock has a way harder group i mean that's out of the mm -hmm. question right like it's it's crazy but um yeah i mean Good. we'll see what envy is doing with their lineup and uh how they will be practicing this time in korea um so, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can look at it as, you know, just, uh, again, like a very daunting task, or you can look at it as an opportunity for Rogue to really, you know, make a big splash, you know, because so far, you know, we, in terms of Korea, you know, we haven't seen them do much at all. So it's all, all been NA, which kind of begs the question, one, maybe one I mean, last, yeah. we with Envy never really won Lunatic High while Rogue did it multiple times, right? Like, it was just this one upset they had against us and it was really close, and the meta just changed it before. So we picked up Mickey as a Zaya player. However, the meta changed, and we oh, no one of I us knew it. really how good he would be as Diva. And then yeah. we made this crazy lineup swap, and and barely took a game out of Rogue. Um, I mean, is it luck? That's always luck in everything yeah. in life. However, everyone, 
I think I don't. I I still think we kind of deserved that win, but a lot of things like felt in place at that moment, and it was still really close. Kongo Unsia was really good at that point, and Rogue. If Rogue would have won us, they might would have. I'm pretty sure they would have won Unsia, and I'm pretty sure they would have won Africa Freaks in the finals. So mm, it was okay. entire. It was really close. I don't really see that as like um, a huge underperformance or whatever. And um, so yeah, they still won Lunatic High, right? Like in multiple tournaments. And I feel like we never did it as Envy. So Rogue performed actually pretty well in Asia too. It was a different Rogue oh. at the time though, but... Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, was it a better a, rogue, though? Yeah. Oh, this is a question that's very much on the mind of chat right now. But you bought the baguette just to show on stream for this announcement. But the question is, are you going to eat the baguette oh, that you now have? You can, I might let it let it get really hard and bring it to <laughs> give it to some teams in Korea. No. Egging on right, right now. I actually, I don't know if I'm going to eat it. I'm just going to give it to someone from any to eat. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Okay. Um... <laughs> All right. So uh, it t this this move, I think, makes a lot of sense uh, for you yeah. just moving into the coach role in general. You obviously have the perfect resume for this. I mean, just being the guy who kind of put this team together, this current uh, Envy squad, and it had so much success uh, uh, over over the years. I think it I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but still, there's like this looming question uh, of OW League is just a couple of months away. Uh, to be honest, uh, so. What are your thoughts about, you know, taking this rogue moving into NV or sorry, uh, moving into OW League? Is this just preparation going into that? Um, like, what, what, you, what, what, my move? You mean like my? Yeah. my I mean, so like I said, right now my um, rogue is not signing with me. It's on a trial basis for both sides. I have no idea what's going to happen after OGN, and I don't really care right now. I want to be focused on one thing at a time. However, I'm still I'm still negotiating, and I'm still um, open for opportunity. I'm still looking out for opportunities, but I'm not actively like the only thing right now I care about is making it to Korea, going to OGN, and winning it with Rogue, or giving them the best help I can possibly offer, and Whatever happens, wherever I sign after, maybe Rogue or some some somewhere else, um, is gonna be with the sole goal of winning Overwatch League. So, um, whatever whatever I'll be doing, it's you know like I keep all my options open. Um, so yeah, and even um, even playing right, is that yeah, like I said this time? Yeah, is playing still an option, I, or just totally had? Just so had here's the thing: team? I don't see myself as a player in any current team. The only thing that I could see happening is forming my own team, but that would depend solely on, um, you know, the who stands behind me in a way. If you know what I mean, like mm -hmm. it, it depends. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't completely. It's not completely out of the question. Um, if I would return to gaming, I would definitely go. Um, as a main tank, maybe flex, but that's that's I don't really focus on that right now because, like I said, going to OGN, I'll be working with Rogue in a coaching way, and also I go mainly to Korea to pick up and learn from other coaches and other, um, especially Korean teams. So I take this time to educate myself and help my own growth, and um. I That's won't great. be focusing on playing or, you know, like I'm sure I will be playing ranked in Korea. Um, so, yeah. But I think that's, yeah, I think that's really focus. smart. Yeah. I mean, I was just talking to Ben about it last night. I, I actually think this is 
a huge blessing for you, you know, and I was yeah. like, blessing in disguise? I don't even know if it's disguise. I think it's just a straight out blessing for you because... Yeah, it was just um, like one bad day where it all happened, but the next yeah. day I... Well, it's... To sort of elaborate on that, there is this idea where this is sort of the opportunity to go in as a coach, right? Mm-hmm, where right. let's say you go in with uh, Envy as a player for the next season of Apex, and then let's say that Envy, for whatever reason, decides to still make the roster move that leaves you on the outside. I would assume that a lot of the teams that are going to be prepping for later events like Overwatch League will be looking to pick up coaches in the time span that this next Apex season is going to be going on. So in theory, if this move had to happen, that it's happening now sort of gives you the pick of the litter in terms of what team you would have wanted to go to as a head coach, at least in the West, where there's not that many head coaches that are around right now. And again, and again, about this specifically about this timing, I want to uh, throw it out again. I'm really thankful for, um, you know, obviously, okay, wait. Obviously, I'm really thankful for all the support I've gotten from Envias. Um, they've treated me great. Um, but specifically, right now, what's happening right now? I still want to give a huge, uh, huge shout out to um, Alikus and Laser Kittens that they would have come up with a great great offer right off the bat and would have you know like helped me with with my with my goal going back to korea and actually educate myself and um even as a, on a on a free agent basis and then obviously right now um going with rogue it's a great opportunity for me this team is great the organization is great and yeah i think it's yeah. it's really a blessing that they put so much trust into me and respect and you know like it's it's really like i'm really happy about it so Crazy. Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, it was only a matter of time before we saw a wave of, you know, pro players, or at least this first age of pro players, uh, you know, transition into coaching. And, and not to say that you have to be a player, but you have to at least be good, you know, at the game. Uh, you don't have to necessarily have, to have played for any of the big pro teams or anything like that. But that's always going to be, you know, a good portion of the head coaches in whatever esport or sport. So, um, you know, you being. I mean, as decorated, you're probably the most decorated head coach out there. I mean, Kai Kai for, you know, C9, obviously, early on, you know, had a lot of success, too. But I don't think there's any question. Kai Kai was the problem. You forgot about yeah, well, that. Well, okay, okay. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Well. <laughs> no, Uh-oh. but you're definitely going to be the most decorated one. So I think you getting off to the start and really even trying to develop head coaching, that position is going to be one of the most sought-after positions by all the teams, especially when OWL starts or a little bit prior to that. I think so. You're set up in a really good spot. Yeah, I hope so. I do. I I don't want to take things for granted though. Like, mm-hmm. I I do, like all the responses so far on Reddit, Twitch, Twitter, wherever have been great and so supportive. So I do feel it comes with a, like a huge responsibility as well. You know, like I could go, I could I could go with Rogue and me going to Korea and just you know like be lazy or whatever, right? Like or them having a poor performance. Like I said, going with Rogue is a huge risk. And going with such a good team as my first, let's say, coaching gig or, you know, helping them out anyway, is also has so much responsibility. Like I said, they're in probably the hardest group. Any team right now, if Kong and Lunetikai make it out, then no one is going to be like, well, fuck, Rogue deserved it more. But if Rogue and Lunetikai make it out, it's the same way around. It's just like three great teams, right? Um, So it just, whoever performs that day and is, is prepared better i feel like it can go either way um we have to see how good how good they are though i think both both teams made lineup changes congo pantera and Lunatic high and we have to see how our style is going to work in korea and we're definitely going to make some changes mm-hmm. well, the, big thing, the, the big thing for you rogue i would say going into apex where i think there's two things that i think rogue has to be aware of number one is that korean teams are very adaptive and i think it would be somewhat unlikely that rogue could just play the current comp it's doing right now 
and get away with it over a full season of Apex, even with no changes to the game. But the bigger issue, I would say, is that the meta does change in Overwatch based on changes to the game. Heroes get buffed, heroes get nerfed, new heroes get added to the game, more new things get discovered. So I I, I think the idea that the meta even just is conducive to what Rogue is running over an entire Apex season, which is quite long, is less likely than not. So I I don't know. I think overall, it's a case where if you had homework as a coach for Rogue, I'd say a big part here is making sure that you guys are comfortable with other styles of gameplay, because if your strategy is adapted to, or if the meta changes because of patches, you're going to need that flexibility. Definitely. I, I, I would say, especially in Korea, they have like bigger coaching staff and, um, which just makes it easier to, and I feel like they put more time into it. They're just in general a little bit more professional and take it more serious in a way where you play the same team, you scrim the same team over and over again, and they figure out, oh, uh, we have a Farah player and a Tracer player, and they both take the same paths on certain maps and the same um, type of play all the time. They take the same risk, they take the same flanks. So obviously they watch. They will actually put in the time and watch those VODs, and the coaches will, you know, like prepare counter counter strategies against it. So you definitely need, like, even if we play the same style, you need like different ways of playing it. And yeah, um, yeah certain maps, I do feel like it's quite obvious uh, um, on and I already spoke to the team quite a bit. Um, obviously, I can just really start working with them while I'm in Korea, and I have like a lot of stress actually doing stuff before. Um, however, I do feel we are already on the same page. What needs to happen, and where we want to have where we want to have uh, changes to happen. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll see you when I'm there. I can actually only go in detail and, and start working with them when I'm there. Um, yeah, for now it's just like grinding VODs, grinding to getting to know them, and and all their um, strengths and weaknesses, and yeah. Well, I mean, clearly you're trying to eat like them with your purchase of a great <laughs> yeah. many of baguette uh, going into this. So you are trying I don't to want to eat bread, man. You're, you're yeah, trying exactly. to associate with them in all possible ways. You know, breathe the same air, eat the same food, again the same. You have to games. start smoking. So. <laughs> I, I don't know. I actually it's, just it's, stopped smoking. Wearing I a beret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just stopped two days ago again. Oh, so. did you? Okay. Yeah. Well, I uh, I know you got to get going. I know you got to get start getting ready actually to go to Korea. Yeah. So um, appreciate you stopping by and you know just obviously making that big announcement, letting everybody know what's uh, you know what your next steps are. And obviously, good luck to you, but I don't actually think you need much luck. So <laughs> I think you're going to be Thanks just fine, me. buddy. Yeah, definitely. Any uh, quick shout-outs you want to do before you take off? Um, just a shout-out. Uh, thanks again for Laserkins to uh, initially um, give me that great opportunity, even though it didn't work out. Uh, huge thanks to Rogue. Uh, I hope everything works out. I'll do my best. And I know the, team is, the team's potential is crazy. Um, thanks for everything. And... Um, even though I haven't made like a specific announcement yet, or I haven't had a chance officially to thank everyone from Envious, I still want to make sure that everyone knows that the team itself is a great team. Everyone, like even even the persons, like things happen, and at the end, both both sides just move their own way. And I, even though I won't like, I won't go out of my way and wish them all good luck as a team because <laughs> I'm too competitive for that. It's sad to say, but they won't have a chance winning Overwatch League. Um, so, oh, okay. Other than that, though, I wish yes. them the best of luck reaching a second place. But, uh, but, but oh. as, as, it, as, it, as for Envious, the organization, they've always treated us and me really fair. And um, 
it's been an, an, an amazing ride. And I just want to thank everyone in NBS. It goes so far more than like the CEO, uh, Mike, Graham. They all did like so much good stuff for us. And I'm, I was really thankful. There, there are even more people behind the scene that I've, they've, that became great friends, like all the camera guys, video guys, graphic designers, and all, all those people that I've been living around with. And it's just like been an amazing ride, but now it's just time to look forward. And uh, yeah, so huge shout out to NBS and I, Partly until the last month, maybe, and being around the team, it felt mostly like a real family, and I couldn't have been happier. So, okay, awesome, buddy. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna take a quick break and then just have Hulk pop off here, and then we're gonna talk about Rivalcade. Hulk did right just pop off. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. All right, we're back, guys. Oh, hold on. I need to. I need to get them back on here. Uh, okay, you guys there? Yes. Here. All right. Sweet, sweet. All right. So let's talk about Rivalcade because we we don't have that much time left. Um, and we did have this big event that had all the you know NA teams, the top NA teams, play against each other, and we got a chance to see how they measured up. Um, I know as EP, we, you and Flame and Hex and uh, definitely were um, hanging out in the in the Discord channel watching them the entire time. Ben, did you get a chance to watch a bunch of it? The, uh, oh, yes. Games? Oh, yes. Okay, cool. All right, so overall, um, you know, Rogue ended up taking the whole thing. Spoilers. I forgot to, I guess, throw that out there. But uh, Rogue ended up uh, getting there. And for the most part, a lot of people were looking forward to seeing if the NB Rogue a matchup would happen and sure enough it happened twice actually and Rogue got the better end of Envy pretty easily in the first matchup winning 2-0 but then they played again in the grand finals and that was a much closer match which Rogue ended up taking 3-2 uh, so overall any big storylines you guys want to talk about um, Ben? You know I, I already hate myself for what I'm about to say but <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> Taimu playing McCree will make Overwatch esports great again. Oh, no question. No joke. No Watching him play that hero no was a goddamn blessing to the scene. <laughs> 100%. It was beautiful to watch. I, I know, like, there's much broader things to talk about about how the team stacked up. But for me, like, honestly, that was one of the coolest, most memorable parts about the whole tournament was just seeing Taimu finally play that character again to amazing effect. And a secondary, soon is the best tracer in the goddamn world. There's, yeah. like, I don't think there's anyone <laughs> that can touch him right now. Uh, but those are just, like, my surface level, like, holy shit moments. ZP, I'm sure you have some more, like, uh, 
Well, clearly, sum that up, I mean, let's just talk about the basics there. Taimu has good aim. But yeah, it it is good (laughs) to see McCree come back out and get played because I feel like McCree goes through these ups and downs in terms of play where teams will go, actually, we're not going to run McCree as much. Uh, We think Soldier is more effective. We're just going to stay away from him. He dies too easily to dive. And then you have moments where, whether it be Taimu in Rival Cade or you go further back to, say, Grim Reality at the NG Finals, you have moments where people remember, oh, wait, McCree's actually a really good hero and can take over games. So, yeah, it was really good seeing that from Envy. I don't know if Envy is necessarily solving some of the issues that they still have, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even as they brought in Louie, I don't think that the projectile DPS offerings were particularly great. I think that there's still a hole that they need to fill there, and I'm not sure Louie is going to be the one to fill up. I mean, Louie didn't look bad at how he was playing, especially on his hit scan offerings. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the rumors of Envy having to go to, say, a seven-man roster and picking up another player to go with it probably might have to come true because uh, for me, I'm not just looking at that as Envy versus Rogue where you know Rogue did end up taking it. I'm also looking at more long-term and is Envy making the change-ups to their team needed to make them more versatile and more effective regardless of what the meta is. And I don't know if Envy has quite made those changes yet. And I don't, yeah. and what we saw in Rivalcade sort of suggested that they still have a ways to go when becoming a fully complete team the way that they were in the past. Well, it's the, you know, it's the same story that we always see with Envy, at least recently. It's where, you know, when Taimu has great games, they look super, you know, they they obviously can get very, very far. But when okay. Taimu struggles, that's when they start losing. You know, I, I would it, just mention Taimu there, though. I mean, the support not. play it, was insane. Yes, like, the support play was insane. From tips there. Uh, oh, the amount Coco, of tips for Coco, too. Dude, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the support core of Envy has always been great because people forget this. But yes, Taimu is very important to Envy. He does very well in DPS. But you remember that that IDD QD core, which, of course, up until recently also included Airnet Hulk, mm-hmm. they also had a completely different DPS set for a while. And Mendo and Tavik at a time in Overwatch and dominated with that as well. So it's easy sometimes to super focus on the DPS players. But when you see Chips not only staying alive in ridiculous situations, keeping Taimu alive under huge pressure, and then outright winning one-on-ones when a DPS gets on him, it, you can't really underrate the no, impact that Chips has. definitely not underrating those guys. Those guys are, are have been solid for a long time. And, and you know, some of the plays that... You know, like Coco makes at times, you know, are like crucial to their wins. But the the trend that I see though, that is the most obvious though, is when Taimu, you know, when a team does focus on Taimu and is able to shut Taimu down early in in fights, it and that might be true for every single team. You know, if you shut down their main DPS early, but especially Taimu, that's when Envy struggles. You know, like Taimu has to have good nights or good days and he does th- thankfully he does have good days a lot of the time but when he does have those days where he struggles it's it's like very impactful on the team well you see the same phenomenon now with selfless where selfless looked nearly unstoppable <laughs> like for quite a yeah. while really only running into uh baguettes as their worst enemy but teams have been figuring out against selfless where actually if you put undue pressure on Defran, you can yep. open up Selfless a little bit more, take maps off them that you might have not otherwise taken. So there is something to the idea for a lot of we teams. We saw with LG Evil Isolating too, out yeah. particular parts. Same thing with LG Evil and Jake. I feel like some of their downswing has been teams focusing on Jake even more so than they were before. So Yeah, and in a way, similar with Rogue and Soon. Uh, mm-hmm. We saw when Envious in the Grand you Finals actually... <laughs> yeah, but they, they, they could kill with kill Hanzo, which I'm yeah. still confused about. Like they, the Hanzo was the counter to soon on King's Row. Uh, 
particular map, this particular situation, yeah. uh, which I thought was uh, was pretty amusing. But I totally agree with you, Andy well, ZP. I totally agree that Louis played well, but he doesn't necessarily fit this niche that we pundits have been talking about for weeks and yeah. months, that they don't really have that standard uh, DPS, or excuse me, that standard projectile DPS player that we thought we, you know, they might need. Uh, and I, I'm actually a Louie fan. I, I met Louie back all the way back at Agents Rising, literally the first land tournament. I see Joshi in chat. He remembers. Uh, I've been hoping to see this guy on a team for a while, but what I know him for is Tracer, which also kind of NB still is, needs a little bit, but they're kind of lacking that, uh, that, you know, the, the Genji Farah. Uh, you know, I was, I was actually thinking about it. What Envy needs is kind of like an agilities-esque player, someone that can flex between Genji and Roadhog so you can pull Taimu off that Roadhog. I think uh, I think that's something that Envy really, really could stand to benefit from. Well, they're going to have to make that move sooner rather than later. And the reason being is that you take a look at other teams in the scene that have really taken big strides in their gameplay. You need to look no more further than the resurgence of Team Liquid, where they've brought themselves from a bottom eight team in many people's eyes to now a top four team that has the possibility of striking the top. How did they do that? Well, a big part of it was bringing on Shatter, who has been able to play a shutdown Genji play for them. So I do think it's something that Envy needs to find a way around. I well, you know, with with um, Team Liquid, you just brought up Team Liquid too. It's like I, I was hoping that they were going to have just this great breakthrough tournament, and you know, at Rivalcade, and then they they played well against Envy, but then they you know they struggled in their other match, so they ended up not getting through the groups, which continues this inconsistency of NA teams outside of Rogue, I would say, and you know now Envious entering the mix. I mean, I, I feel like Envious is going to be pretty consistent too, but. Yeah, thoughts on that? Like, and and anything you guys see, even selfless, right? Even selfless, I would say, didn't quite have the best tournament that um, they could have had too. Well, and for selfless, I mean, it's interesting. You could part chalk it up to personal performance, but I'd argue that they've actually been getting more performance out of other sources where you see a player like Emong come out of nowhere and have some of the most ridiculous Roadhog games of all time. <laughs> right. I think what Selfless is getting hurt by here is that because they have been a known commodity in the scene now for many months, they have gotten many a win off teams that really were not prepared for them. They didn't even have Selfless on their radar. Well, now here's the other turn of the coin, right? Where you've been crushing teams, but now in their preparation, they look and go, well, wait, we have to go through selfless. How do we deal with selfless? And teams have a much better idea of how to fight selfless. So as a result, you've been seeing selfless have more trouble in getting through teams that maybe a month ago they would have easily have cleaved through. It was just also another storyline, obviously, here was just it's fantastic to finally see so many of the top NA teams yes. participating. Uh, we finally got to see Cloud9 again. This is the first showing of Envy in, in one of these types of tournaments in forever. Um, I mean, just talking about some of the other notable results throughout the tournament, Cloud9, notably a little disappointing. Uh, you know, they, they just added these new players from Korea uh, and maybe a little bit of nerves uh, if you went actually watch uh Thorin's uh insight and esports show they talk a little bit about this with sure for uh so potentially a little bit of nerves maybe coming into play for the cloud nine squad um and actually the one game of rivalcade that i haven't had a chance to go see yet but i've heard so much about is team liquid versus envy apparently was a phenomenal game uh and i'm really looking forward to seeing that because team liquid has been on the rise steadily you know, over the last couple of weeks. So I, th- I think that's exciting to see as a Quake fan, as, as somebody that's been following these players for many, many years. I, I can't wait to see where Team Liquid goes. It, it's uh, a very meta. 
it's a very good patch for Rafa. Let me tell you that. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. man. It, it, totally. Because the new Lucio melds so well with how Rafa wants to play to begin with, where I don't think Ra- Rafa sometimes... Man. He was too aggressive with the old Lucio. He really was. He would die first far too often. But the new Lucio has more tools to defend himself, which means, and more damage, which means that plays that were probably bad calls pre-patch are actually very good calls for Rafa in the post-patch world. And also plays a bit to his FPS pedigree, right? Where he is a intelligent FPS player, one of the most accomplished FPS gamers of all time. And now that Lucio arguably has a higher skill cap for some of his maneuvers, Rafa's able to take advantage of that in a pretty convincing way. Yeah, I mean, you know, also in that group, I'd say that Splice made, you know, or surprised some people even getting out of the groups. Um, you know, they didn't, I think they, they ended up taking a game off Selfless, but I think they they ran into Rogue first round too. So, I mean, didn't get too much further, but even that, that was actually surprising too. I don't, I think a lot of people well, were even surprised that Splice was one of the invited teams, you know, to begin with. You know, they weren't one of the ones that had to play through the qualifiers. So, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, good. Well, this is where I'm going to bring in some of my uh, NHL salt here, or really just salt in general. But anytime a team that's based out of the Boston Garden manages to win, period, right now, it is a miracle. So, <laughs> okay. Well okay. That's the spices. I, I didn't realize they had a home base there. They do. Uh, I think uh, Michael has actually posted uh, oh. just pictures of him hanging out in like the luxury box in the garden. Oh, so. seriously? Okay. That's oh, yeah. nice. That's nice. Um, talk about Cloud Nine. You know, I saw I saw that interview with Bishop, and you know, Bishop was like, "Cloud Nine's gonna win this thing." Of course, you know, what else is he gonna say? But um, you know, he they did take Selfless down, you know, pretty handily, I would say, in that the first round of the playoffs. But um, but then lost to LG Evil, and then lost to Rogue. So overall, Cloud Nine still hasn't quite hit their stride yet. You know, with the this new roster and whatnot. But hopefully, in the near future, there are definitely some glimpses of of what they can be. Well, there's just rough spots that they have to deal with. Like, I think one of the things that really stood out to me was the amount of times that you would see Sully just dying first as a 76 because mm. just the team overall was not really on the same page for certain things. And Bishop is a very smart guy, a very good coach. Mm-hmm. I would give him all the faith in the world that he would look at errors that were occurring for C9 over the course of the weekend and find a way of drilling it out and getting the team on a better place. Because if you spent any time talking to Bishop, that guy is very intelligent. Oh, he knows absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so with Envious, what, what did you guys think? Did you guys think that Envious was almost like getting better as the current tournament was going and getting maybe a little bit more used to playing with each other in this type of environment? Um, because there was a pretty big difference between the first first um, set against Rogue and then the second set. And some of it was just, you know, getting familiar with what Rogue was doing. But also, I think just some of it was teamwork just on, on Envy's part. Um, I mean, Taimu certainly played better in the in the in, in the, the finals. finals. Yeah, that that's um, true too. Yeah, I I think uh, I think Louis Roadhog still isn't quite where obviously where someone like Taimu, who is absolutely dominant with the character, has been in the past. Uh, but uh, in terms of like, did they did they get better over time? I think I think some of the players like got more comfortable over time, but they they still have some pretty clear issues uh, mm-hmm. in terms of what they're missing as a team. Well, and well, en- we had good adjustments there. I mean, if there's an Achilles heel to rogue right now, where I would definitely expect teams in Korea to pick up on it is that rogue doesn't do very well when they lose a player early on. I mean, most teams don't right? where you lose yeah. a player early on and winning five, six is difficult, but rogue in particular, because they run a dive offense, it's based around overwhelming you. 
if you dive into the other team with a tracer Genji setup, and then the tracer dies really quickly or the Genji dies really quickly, well, guess what? You've now made the job of the other flanking DPS far harder because people can look at it without being distracted. So when you run things like a McCree against Rogue, when you run things like a shutdown Roadhog against Rogue, look no further than the last monthly melee where Emong just had the game of his life, Rogue actually struggles quite heavily to finish off fights when they lose people early on in those situations. So I would expect for the Envy Rogue series in particular, just seeing Taibu come out and get that level of contribution on McCree, of course it's going to make for a closer game and make things much tougher on Rogue. I do think that overall, you look at Rogue going forward, that's actually a bit of a worry for them if you suddenly start seeing teams run comps even along the lines of, say, Roadhog McCree, right. just to go out of their way to catch Soon or Nico off guard and shut down the dive before it even begins. Yeah. Um, or so we only have a few more minutes left. I know Ben, you wanted to touch on on something too. I mean, this this given that it, this was the tournament again that had all the top NA teams with it. Um, you know, this I guess the scale of the tournament and maybe the production also of it didn't quite match. You know, the epicness of of what we were hoping and you know, expecting. We get they got a ton of viewers. I mean, there were like twenty five thousand people I think watching like in the grand finals, which was you know great to see, especially for you know this and it just didn't have literally every single t uh, team um, that's possible in the world, but it was still, you know, great. It's awesome that people came out and watched it, but overall, what did you, what were your thoughts on just the production? Um, yeah, it was, excuse me. It was, it was a good tournament. Uh, well run in the end. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought that the pacing was good to have like yeah. uh, so the qualifiers going during the week to fill out the, the bottom half of the bracket. And then uh, the invited teams were, were well mm -hmm. chosen. It was great to see everyone. I did feel like the observing left a little bit to mm -hmm. be desired in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I was scratching my head at times where there were moments where you'd see something like soon and diving a back line and, 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 you know, spamming away at, at uh, and Anna, and she uses her nade, and she's still alive, but soon's probably going to get the kill. And then suddenly, the observer would switch to an entire, entirely different perspective on the on the opposite side of the map. I mean, this happened not just like a one lot. or two it times. A like yeah, this just, happened you know. a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, and as somebody that has played, you know, hundreds, oh, probably almost close to a thousand hours of this game at this point, and observed just as many. It was it was hard for me to watch. I mean, there were times where you were watching a soldier on one team, and then they switched to the soldier on the other team, and, and like little things like that make the observing experience really, really difficult. Like it's not like it's not like you can't understand what's happening. It's just like well, you have to watch that much closer to to really be invested. So it actually makes watching a tournament like a straining experience. You have to be watching every moment as closely as possible to actually see what's going on. And I, I don't, I, I, you know, I kind of struggle with things like this. Like I don't want to bring this up and just sling shit at, at other people and other tournament organizers and other people directly. But I also feel like we're not doing our job on this show properly. If we don't, if we're not no, a little we bit should, critical, of course. Uh, and and I, I'll be honest, I think the observing was very subpar for this tournament. And that, that surprised me a little bit for something of this scale. Uh, well, I was so, disappointed. I feel like so it was I, one, will, I mean, oh, one point oh. real quick, ZV. I feel like I feel like they didn't expect this tournament to be as epic as it was. Like when they first planned this thing, you know, because the skin, you know, like I, I kind of thought of it as you know one of your, you know, you know, like your five five thousand dollar five thousand dollar online 
tournament. That's generally not like a super huge tournament, you know, and it felt like that's how the production was planned. But then they were able to get these awesome invites and these people accepted these invites and it ended up being this amazing lineup. And so it didn't really match. But ZP, what were you going to say? Yeah. Well, I'll dance around this as politically as I can. And I will say that I think it's a testament to how much skill it requires to do good observing in Overwatch. And all the shout outs in the world to the people that have done great observing work, whether it be at events like Carbon, events at Overwatch World Cup, and all the rest. I think that these are people that really know what they're doing. And you do have to pay to get the good observing work. The part where it gets complicated for online casting is that you also need a good production PC. So finding an observer that has a really good production PC and has the observing expertise and will do the job for a rate that you can afford, these are all difficult things because there have been cases in recent tournaments where the budgets have not been very accommodating where maybe you do want to get someone that has all those qualifications, but then you don't want to pay them a proper rate. Well, that's one of the first things that people will skimp on is the tournament quality. The most I'll say is that whether it be a caster that's doing it that has a lot of experience or you get a third-party observer, I think it's very important that you make sure that the observing is done well, A, and B, when it comes to the encoding of the stream, I think it is very important to get a stream that is run at a high encoding quality. You can't have what has been going on where tournaments run production off one stream PC setups. It does not work for Overwatch where it is a quick motion game. You need to invest in a good streaming PC that can run a medium level of encoding or better and run that with a resolution that makes sense. Otherwise, you take away from the beauty of the game. So I I think the bottom line there for orgs going forward, and this is just generalities, is that you should invest in a good observer if the caster is not doing it. And you should make sure that however it's being done, that you have a very good production PC. When you think that you can get away with making these factors not as good, it really reflects on the broadcast in a bad way. Right. And especially so now that Twitch allows you to stream at up to 6K bitrate. Wow. You, know, you, you yeah. really need a good computer <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. You, not, you can't just like, uh, I have like a 1080, like, no, 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 you need, you probably need a two computer setup to actually, actually make that work. But unfortunately, yeah. guys, I'm going to call it right now because yeah, I have gotta... to run in just a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, so why don't we wrap up real quick, and then yeah. uh, we'll we'll save some of the news for next week. But uh, ZP, awesome having you on, man. This is really good, especially with the you know helping out with the interview and everything. So, um, want to do some shout outs? I mean, the most shout outs I'll say is that I love America. God bless the USA. <laughs> no particular reason. I'm just very world up. But, uh, <laughs> but thank you for the invite to the show. You can follow me at Twitter at tempo ZP. Follow Fishsticks at Fishsticks. I think you're at Chaman V. I don't know. You can show. Wow, for yourself. you're plugging it's for your us. Show. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's no that. problem. I mean, these subs <laughs> come for free. At some point, you know, you hang out with hexagrams long enough, these subs <laughs> just rubs off on you. That's right. Uh, ben, shout outs. Uh, huge shout outs to Hulk for coming on the show and dropping that big announcement yes. on the show. Uh, it's it was really fun to have that uh, have that happen here. So uh, make sure to give us a follow and tune in next in the, in the future weeks if you're tuning into the VOD. Uh, and huge just shout outs to Hulk in general. It was really inspiring to hear his mindset going into all of this, like how he's approached it. He was definitely gutted by by the decision. Like it definitely caught him off guard and you could tell like it, it's it's bummed him out. But he's it sounds like he's got uh, his head on straight about how to approach this and and he's just got a great winning mentality. Like he wants to win and that and that's really, really cool to see. I think he's in a phenomenal position for OW League to be 
head coach of whoever uh, he wants to be. So yeah. uh, whether that's Roe, whether, you know, great show. Awesome to have uh, Hulk on and uh, we'll see you next week for another episode. Yeah, and again, I'll thank the three of you, or the two of you guys, EP and Fishsticks, as well as, as Hulk earlier for coming on the show, and everybody else for watching, too. You guys have been awesome in the chat. I've been able to glance over there from time to time. Uh, you can find the the show, if you miss any of it, on YouTube. The VOD's going to be up shortly after, hopefully shortly after. I'm going to try to get it up. The original plan was to try to do it tomorrow, but I think I, I think a lot of people want to see it, so I'll, I'll get it up as soon as I can. And then you can follow the show's Twitter account at uh, the Overview GG, and find us on iTunes on um, by searching for Overwatch in on iTunes, and you'll find this. Quick shout out to some of the iTunes folks that left us five star review: uh, Havala, Wait, and uh, Skyla that, or Skillia. <laughs> Thanks for uh, doing that. And if you guys are do listen to us on iTunes, go uh, leave us a five star rating because that really helps us in terms of SEO and people finding it. But that's going to be it, guys, for the overview this week. So for uh, ZP, Internet Hulk, Fish Six, and myself, we'll see you next week. <laughs>